Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. And we are going to hit the ground running. Uh, We don't do this often, but every once in a while, just schedule works out where we start off with an interview. And we have special guest Glenn Gilbo. Speaking of the world champion Houston Astros, we have not spoken since the World Series. So how much did you enjoy that run, sir? Man, I I, I love how y'all always say world champion Astros before you mention the Astros. That's been awesome. No, it was was great. I I watched it all. You know, and uh, it was uh, it was fun, man. You know, great to see Verlander finally get that World Series win. Uh, hope, hopefully, he comes back. But uh, no, it was great, man. You know, and and uh, you know, some people disagree, but I mean, the, the previous one was tainted. You know, you can't somewhat you can't argue with this one at all. You know, so this was a clean clear national champion uh, well I, you know i've I, I saw an analysis that the last six years or the most impressive six-year run uh since the yankees of the 50s and the yankees of the 50s didn't even, didn't have to win any playoff rounds so i guess you could argue this is the yeah. bottom line is whether you buy you know words like dynasty or whatever this has been an incredible six-year run and one that you know most astro fans never thought they'd see and i don't know if there's any soon into it no and and you know they they could have won more titles or whatever but um the thing is i mean they're clearly the best team in baseball the last several years you know the yankees that that's one of my favorite things about the astros run is that the yankees just can't figure the astros out and they make moves for the astros you know and they just it's it's a mind thing with them now almost like LSU and Alabama they just they just can't beat Houston and that's so sweet all right well we uh Glenn and I could talk Astros all day but we bring in him on because he's going to be in our area this um today this afternoon from one to four in Grand Coteau and he's going to be selling an autographs book uh his book everything matters in baseball the Skip Burtman story with the skipper so tell us I mean, I'm sure this has been a whirlwind adventure and project and lots of fun. And you're in the book, but the, the medicine year. Oh, your, yeah. uh, your your medicine year philosophy is is in the book because that, that hit Skip a couple of times, um, you know, after the 91 title in 92. Yes. But, uh, no, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was it – was, I had to take time out from, from my full-time jobs um, – but it was it was enjoyable, and uh, you know Skip was so accessible. Uh, interviewed him many times at his at his house, and and the players were also so accessible because they wanted to talk about Skip, you know. And and uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun to do. I just wish um, you know the book was was longer uh, because there's there's a lot more there. So before we get to some uh, uh, things, let people know exactly where they can go. And, 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 you know, there's any, I'm sure there are plenty of LSU fans out there, especially Skip Berkman fans who on a Friday afternoon, you might be be able to get off work a little early or something and and, and go take advantage of this opportunity. 
Yeah, uh, the uh, Christmas at Coteau is uh, at the Academy of the Sacred Heart uh, in Grand Coteau, and uh, it's kind of a Christmas festival, and Skip and I are going to be in a booth selling the book and uh, and signing autographs to the book that you can either buy there in person or bring a book that you've already uh, that you already got, and that's uh, 821 Academy Road in uh, in Grand Coteau, and Skip Skip doesn't like to pre-sign autographs. He likes to look at the person, talk to him for a second, personalize the autograph, and that's what he's done at the previous signings, uh, that, and that's what he's going to be doing today. One it- one to four. At Sacred Heart, and if and if you've never been, it's not very far at all off of off of forty nine. So it, it's really easy to, to to get to. All right, so I mean, I can't even imagine the stories that 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 Skip told. But let me ask you: in your relationship and covering Skip, like, did y'all ever have like a baseball issue that y'all argued about or disagreed about, or, or did you not ever dare to do that with, with, with Skip? <laughs> Um, not, uh, not a uh, strategy issue, no way, but, but I did, I did point out that I thought in the, uh, night and let's see the, uh, the 89 world series, I thought, um, and wrote about it at the time for the town talk. I, I thought, I thought Skip tried to use Ben McDonald when he shouldn't have pitched him when Ben had a terrible blister. Okay. And, and Skip just kind of was was uh, stubborn to go with Ben because that was his guy. When actually Curtis Laskanik was the better pitcher at the time, and Skip admitted that pretty soon after I wrote that, and and he talked about it a lot in the book because Laskanik won two games in the uh, College Station series and pitched more than Ben, um, and was really the hottest pitcher. And I thought he should have used Curtis more and going. And he had depth, you know. And, Ben was Ben was bleeding on the ball, and he shouldn't have been pitching. He was he was a uh, nothing like what he normally was. And and Skip kind of said later he 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 blew that, you know. And um, that's one of the things I, mo- I respect most about Skip. He hasn't made many mistakes, but he will say when he messed something up. And that that's really the only time I can remember. And he he didn't at first he was a little upset that that other media were saying that too. But he was not. You know, he didn't really get mad at me over that. So, you know, he is, um, you know, is he as good a storyteller as you've ever been around of all the media members or or coaches you've ever kind of, um, you know, been with? Oh, yeah, I I would I would say so. I mean, you know, years ago um, when we would be in Omaha with them at these practices, which weren't practices, (laughs) they were just hanging around taking some cuts. You know, I mean, it's not like football. And he would just sit in the dugout, and he was barely watching practice. And he would, and the media would be sitting next to him in the dugout. And that's when he was great at, at telling stories. And um, you know, just about whenever you would interview him, he was he was just a great interview. But when you go to his house and sit at his kitchen table, and the and the object is the is the stories, um, just really fascinating because you know he's eighty four years old. And he's got a mind like a steel trap. I mean, he remembers everything. He remembers moves he made in games, and, and and he remembers how he recruited Todd Walker and stuff like that, and details about Warren Morris. He's a. I don't think anybody's better as a storyteller um, to answer your question. And and you know, baseball 
kind of lends itself to storytellers more than other sports. Absolutely. So, um, of all the guys you interviewed, which one did you have the toughest time to get to? Just okay, I gotta, I gotta move on with life here. Like, like who, <laughs> who, who, who was? And I'm sure there were quite a few of those. Well, you mean like that? I had to get off the the phone with. Yeah, I mean, they off? just kept wanting to talk and talk and talk because you oh. know they have so many stories about it. Oh, oh yeah. Well, you know, um, uh, I, I gotta say, I, I enjoyed all the interviews and. And you know, a lot of the interviews were during were during COVID when, when I when I had these uh, you know weeks off that we had to take. Right. Uh, and and so I so I had the time, uh, but I must have talked to Chris Mook for two hours just in my backyard on the phone. Chris lives in in Dallas. He was on the first national championship team. He, he made he threw out the last guy to win it, and he was he held the ball in the earthquake game <laughs> for the extra point after Hudson through the touchdown, but, but Chris was always a, a great interview. I had a lot of fun talking to him. Uh, but yeah, I can't, I can't remember. Uh, uh, Louis Garcia was a great interview. We, we might've went on a little too long with Louis too, but, um, most, most of the interviews were great because that, that's the best time. You know, I mean, that's a very treasured time of those guys lives and they, and really 98% of them really love skip. I mean, some of them may not have loved them when they were playing for him. But but they do they do now most of them and um, it was uh, the interviews were the were the funnest part of it and I transcribed every word uh, because because I wanted to do that because it sticks in your head more when you when you transcribe and right and you can remember stuff. Well, I, I I expected you to say Ronnie Rance that that you were having to turn down <laughs> interviews for Ronnie Rance. Well, uh, I interviewed Ronnie a couple of times. Uh, Ronnie was actually too busy for me. Um, but, uh, cause he's, you know, he's into a lot of business and, and, and media. Uh, but he, he was a great interview. He, he talked a lot to me about the, uh, the Washington DC trip that, uh, that LSU went on after the first national championship, Joe DiMaggio and Ted Williams were, were there. It was part of a kind of a baseball event. They all went to the all-star game after, um, in, in, in the summer of 90, summer of 91, like July of 91. And a lot of, you know, Ronnie had to get to that game that, that day from Alaska. He was playing in the Alaskan summer league, but that was, and Skip couldn't go cause he was having hip surgery. He, so he didn't, he didn't go to that, but that, that was a cool chapter. I hope. How do you think Skip, what, what sense do you have um, of the criticism that, coaches have taken at times of skip's predecessors uh since he uh, you know retired at lsu how, how do you think he's handled all that the, the criticism of the guys who followed him right because some of it's been pretty harsh at times yeah well i mean he had to fire he, he fired it the first guy who followed him who, who he he pushed to hire uh, actually mark emmert hired smoke laval um and and uh when when skip uh Came AD, he he fired him. But, I mean, he was critical of Smoke, uh, and then and then Skip hired Paul Maneri, uh, which ended up being a great hire. He won a national championship quick, and was really the had the the best or number two program in the SEC for years. Consistently going to Omaha and nearly won another title. But um, you know, he's I would say Skip is uh, you know he he's been supportive of both coaches. To a point, 
you know, but, but, uh, you know, Skip does not think any coach is better than him. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, he created a monster, in other words. Right. I mean, get that. I mean, he created a monster, and, and it's been tough to live up to that stretch in the 90s. I mean, it's almost impossible. Yeah. Well, you know, Skip is like a lot of coaches that were coaching in the 90s and, and were soon out of the game by the early 2000s or late 90s. You know, these coaches now make a lot more money for a lot less work because they have a lot more facilities. They have more assistance. There's more money in the, in the program. So, you know, the, the coaches now kind of have it easier from that perspective, but they also have it harder because more people are into baseball. You know, that, that's kind of the criticism you hear about skip, like, Oh, he wouldn't have won five nowadays. But I, I don't, I don't agree with that because, even in the 90s, there were still a lot of programs that were taking baseball seriously. There's, pro- there's probably more now. Um, and, you know, no, no one no one has really come close to Skip since since he left. You know, you've had some coaches win two, um, but uh, no one's close to, to five. And um, I, I personally think, uh, you know, coaches like Augie Garrido and Skip, if they were like 10 or 20 years younger, I think they'd be winning pretty big if they were coaching now. All right, so I don't want. I know you want people to read the book. You don't want to give away too much. But what, it, was there anything that you learned about Skip that you probably had no idea of, or you know, all the years you covered him that you didn't know? I mean, was there any kind of revelation that you learned about Skip while doing the interviews in the book? <laughs> well, I, I mentioned it a few times in the book. Uh, players like Todd Walker and Warren Morris and Ben McDonald they all said in separate interviews without really being asked how much he could tell the future, like in a game, you know, like three innings ahead. He was always a few innings ahead and he could say what's going to happen. Or he's going to say, this guy's going to fly out the left field or he'd come out and visit the mound and he'd say, all right, you're going to, you're going to walk this guy, but you're going to strike out the next guy and we're going to win the game. And it was, it was uncanny how, how he could do that. And, and how he could also kind of tell the future about what his teams were going to do. Um, I think that was, that was uncanny. I didn't really realize that when, uh, when I was covering him. But, I mean, you know, even guys that, that played for him for years, sometimes players, they, you know, they, they kind of don't think a coach is as great as everybody else thinks, uh, especially when they've been under him for a while. Right. But these guys, to the man, I mean, they think he's the best, even before he started winning the titles. All righty, sir. Well, again, we have we've been interviewing, we're talking with Glenn Gilbo, and Glenn and Skip Berkman will be at the Academy of Sacred Heart in Grand Coteau, Coteau the Coteau Christmas Christmas Festival, located at 1821 Academy Road in Grand Coteau, from one to four this afternoon. So you could purchase the book, um, which is. Everything Matters in Baseball, the Skip Bertman story, and meet Glenn and, and, and Skip and get autographs. And, and uh, if you're an LSU fan or just a fan of baseball, college baseball, period, I recommend you doing that. From 1 to 4 today at the Academy of Sacred Heart in Grand Coteau. We appreciate your time, sir, and good luck with everything. And, Kevin, you can also buy the book at Barnes & Noble and Lafayette, Amazon.com, and AcadianHouse.com, the publisher. Right there in Lafayette. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thank, th- thank Come you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> All right. Glenn Gilbo. No, look, Glenn, 
uh, you know, obviously known him for years and worked with him for years. And Glenn was the one that came up with the crazy idea for the 2000. And Glenn and I are going to disagree about 2017, by the way. But um, uh, right before the during the playoffs and or the World Series in 2017, maybe we ought to do this Facebook live thing. You remember he coming into the office like, have you ever heard of Facebook live? And you know me and technology. I don't really you know, I'm like, I, I guess, I don't know. And let, 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 let's try this. And it, um, it, ended, it, um, kind of took off for a little while anyway. It was a lot of fun, a lot of nerves, a lot of heartache, a lot of, uh, a lot, but no, that was Glenn's idea. All right. Hope, but again, if you want to go visit Skip and, 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 and Glenn and, um, Get an autograph or just talk baseball with Skip. What a great opportunity. One to four today at the Academy of Sacred Heart in Grand Coteau. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Shift gears. Jump right into another interview. Interview McNeese State play-by-play guy, Mr. Tom Hafer. We're going to shift over to basketball with Tom next on the game. Why doesn't Kevin Foote talk more basketball? Because it's in the best interest for his health not to discuss basketball. I had to give up basketball to save my life. I cannot take basketball. It's way too subjective. More footnotes coming up on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Before we get to our special guest, want to remind you, we've been telling you about AcadianaDeals.com where you could get a 50% off this week only. The deal ends at midnight tonight on a couple things such as Bayou Pop Gourmet Popcorn where you could have one of more than 40 flavors of uh, gourmet popcorn, Mudcat Whiskers, handcrafted um, beard grooming products, or if you got a sweet tooth, Emmy's Ice Cream Bar, which serves supreme ice cream. You can get an additional 50% off this week only. And again, the p- discount code is Delta 50. Delta 50, but you have to go to AcadianaDeals.com to get any one of these great deals by midnight tonight. All right, football season um, for McNeese State is over. Ended in very good fashion, and now we're into basketball season. We have with us McNeese play-by-play voice Tom Hafer. How are you, sir? I'm good, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. Well, I, I know I asked you this the first time we talked, so you I know you grew up a little north of us here, so you're big bass growing up. Who were your favorite, like, basketball players and teams again? Well, this is funny. I, I My first experience, I grew up in southern Illinois across the river from St. Louis. So uh, St. Louis was always, uh, you know, they, that was my favorite sports uh, teams. I'm still a Cardinals fan and a St. Louis Blues fan, et cetera. We didn't have an NBA team, but in, in the mid-'70s when I was a kid, uh, the ABA came to town, and it was the Spirits of St. Louis. With Marvin Barnes and uh, and it just it was the nuttiest team in uh, professional sports history. And if you ever want to read a good book about basketball, it's called Loose Balls, and it is about the history of the ABA. And it, half of it is crazy stories about the uh, the spirits of St. Louis from that time period. Bob Costas 
started at his his radio career out of out of uh, Syracuse at at St. Louis at Camo X Radio up there as the play by play voice for for the. Uh, Spirits of St. Louis at age 21, and he was the play-by-play guy that I listened to the ball games on. So Marvin Barnes is my basketball hero, and if you if you need to look him up, he's a he's a character from the old days. Well, I would have thought Walt Frazier, from what you said, <laughs> you know, no. Well, you know, I actually that's interesting. Walt Frazier went to Southern Illinois University, uh, which I attended for a semester, in fact. And uh, he was he was uh, at, at one point was the uh, I believe the athletic director there. But he was he would come to all of the tournaments uh, in, in after his career was over uh, in, in Southern Illinois. And, and uh, I got to meet him and interview him on the radio a couple of times. Uh, yeah, obviously uh, a great player played for another very famous team uh, that that people have written a lot about. All right, so. When I when I said okay, let me look at McNeese's basketball here, and I looked at your schedule, and I'm like, hmm, you play them, and then you play in them, and, and I thought about the old cliche, uh, "What doesn't kill you only makes you stronger." I guess like <laughs> this schedule is brutal. It is. It is. It's so funny, you know, uh, the, the the McNeese level of of uh, basketball. Typically, before you get into conference. It's either a cupcake that you're hosting, or you're going to play a, a, a higher level school that's going to that's going to uh, tear you apart, and you just don't know what kind of uh, what time kind of team uh, you're going to have until you get into conference. The, they tried this year um, to to get some games against uh, teams that we we would be competitive with, right? And they had the, the men's team hosted what they call an MTE, a multi team event a couple of weekends ago where they had Western Carolina and Lamar and Lindenwood in town, just because those are, those are teams you can compete with and, and are pretty close to your level of competition. So, so that was the hope that we'd see some, some bright spots there. And quite honestly, the men's team just had two really, really bad performances in the first two games of that. And uh, it was frustrating for them and for coach Aiken and, and they were, uh, kind of at a loss for things, and then that third game of the weekend when they played Lamar, of course, that's a conference team, and they took the Cardinals apart. So um, that gave everybody a feeling of okay, maybe we've got some some things to look forward to and some things to build on. And then they go out on the road and they play Baylor and Tennessee, and uh, you know those were games that they, they were not particularly competitive. The, the game in between those two on that road trip was at. Tennessee Martin again this is a team you think you can compete with and should compete with and the, the Cowboys did everything right in that ball game but were so horrible at the free throw line that they lost it by three points and uh that's just one of those head scratchers it's just like dang what happened um you know that was so winnable and and uh they came up short because they were 28 percent at the line the older I get, Tom, I got to tell you, the the less patience I have for two things in sports, missing free throws and missing field goals. Both of those just drive me bonkers. But you look at the upcoming schedule you're about to play. Iowa State, that's 6-1. and one. The Cajuns are 6-1. and one. Uh, Southern Miss is 8-0, and, oh, and Houston's 7-0 and oh, and, like, ranked number one in the country. I mean, that's 27-2. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a rough stretch. It really is. And uh, – like we're back into that part of the of the schedule where it's you know you're not playing teams at your level. We're going to Northern Iowa uh, on the ninth, and that's a game against a, a similar sized opponent. Um, 
but but they're good. I mean, they're really good. Northern Iowa's done well in the in the, uh, um, in the, the field of sixty four on numerous occasions. That's a really good program up there. So no, this is it's going to be a really tough stretch for the team, and they got to figure some things out. Both the men and the women have had injuries and have had. The women had just a disastrous road trip where the flu bug went around uh, up to the Midwest, and they got taken apart at, at Ohio State and at Illinois and at Bradley. And, uh, you know, it, it was a terrible trip where, you know, two girls get sick and then three more, and then those start to get healthy and two more get sick. And they had no, you know, you don't have to be Dr. Fauci to figure out that if you're, you know, driving around the Midwest in a bus this time of year with a couple of couple of sick girls that it's gonna it's gonna go hit everybody else right it was just it was just a, just a really really rough stretch for them uh the guys have had some issues as well with illness and with injuries and so it, it's been rough for them too um that those first two games in that multi-team event were just oh man this is really rough and then they played well and they've done good things since that time, but they haven't put it together. And, and it's going to be a tough stretch for them to see if they can. Do you have a sense of who's the team to beat in the conference and what kind of style they play and how McNeese yeah. might match up with that? And in Corpus Christi is kind of the, the team that everybody's been looking at, but there are other good teams around too. So uh, Southeastern looks pretty good. Um, it's it, – because of the, of the nature of college sports right now with the portal and the, the huge turnovers of everybody's roster, um, you, you never know. Northwestern State, they got a new coach after a long t- uh, tenure from the previous coach, and they got a new guy in here who basically brought his whole team from the place he was at, and they have beaten some good teams. So they may be a, a tough contender in the conference. It's They're, they're a, a team that's – it's playing well, but everybody else is still trying to figure out their identity, and that's what's really tough in these in these pre-conference games. Um, you know, McNeese is still shuffling lineups, trying to get guys healthy and figure out what to do and learn how to play. Both teams, the men and the women, have been playing a matchup zone, and quite frankly, both have been pretty well exploited with that. It hasn't worked out all that well. Uh, I think the men have kind of changed or have improved it in some measure, the game against uh, Tennessee, for instance, it played pretty well defensively in that one. The offense was completely throttled, but, but you know, that matchup zone was better, uh, and they're pretty well committed to playing that. Uh, teams have been able to exploit it, and when they have, they just they just rolled us, you know. So it, it's, um, it's time to figure some things out and get people healthy and get ready for conference. So we'll see what this road trip is like. When they have played well, what would you say is their biggest, the thing they do the best that you've seen so far? Well, you know, two guys have really stepped up, and, and one of them we figured would do that. And, and uh, uh, another one is, is um, Trey English has been playing the point guard, and he has started to score the ball, you know, and shoot three-pointers a whole lot better. And, uh, and so he's been a real lift. Christian Shoemates, a sophomore who was one of the top freshmen in the league last year, he is so dynamic. His rebounding skills as a six-seven guy are phenomenal. Um, he leads the team in scoring, and he leads the team in rebounds. Um, he's, you know, as a sophomore, he's a guy who could really be a, a great player in the conference. But he's kind of the leader of the guys who can't shoot free throws, and that's a that's a problem when your best player is a guy that you don't know if you can trust down the stretch in a ball game. Uh, 
you know, do you not give him the basketball? He's your best scorer uh, because they might foul him, you know, if you got a three-point lead. Uh, so that's that's a problem. But but those two, English and Shoemate, have really stepped up um, with the exception of the free-throw shooting. And uh, and so I, I'm really – I'm very – um, very encouraged by that, and they got to get some other guys, and they got to get those roles established. They really haven't done that. Man, I haven't heard that name in a while, Shoemate. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you saw well, him play in the seventies as well. 70s, right? Yeah, exactly, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I think he was on the court when they broke UCLA's, like you know that whatever uh, long winning streak. Right. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think he might have been on the court for that game. Well, look, Tom, it's always a pleasure talking to you, and um, I might get to see you a few weeks when the Cajuns go down there. We'll see what the, where the bowls is and how all that works out, but I uh, look forward to that if, if we get. I appreciate your time, and good luck to you. Great. Thank you. Take care. Tom Hay from McNeese, play-by-play. No, I love hearing the history. I love like hearing that stuff. When he said Southern Illinois, I said, the man's got to like Walt Frazier. I think Walt Frazier's like a legend down there, uh, and, and, and with good reason. But, no, it's tough to analyze the progress or lack thereof, to Tom's point, when, when you're playing teams that you're either way, way better than or the other team's way better than you. That's tough and um, tough to keep the confidence. But, man, that is a brutal stretch. Hope they're making some money because that's the only thing that makes that that kind of a stretch worth it. We'll take a timeout and, and kind of – Come back and restart the show because we don't normally start off with two interviews like that, but that's just the way it worked out. We will be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Oh, pleasure cruise. Pleasure Cruise. Now, a sports career where things seemingly came easy as the player was surrounded by the best players, the best coaches, and caught all the breaks. Also known as Tom Brady's career. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. going to be a long way between now and Monday. Welcome back to Footnotes on the game. Again, try to catch our breath and breathe and kind of start the show more like kind of restart the show again. Uh, we will have open the game hotline is open in this segment 706-0111 706-0111 but sometimes when you got people on the move like Glenn and when you got to do the interviews when you can and uh, hopefully you can get an opportunity to go if you would like to go uh, visit him and skip out today from 1 to 4 Grant, at the Academy of Sacred Heart during their Christmas festival to sign Glenn's book on skip and, and, and maybe tell some baseball stories before we get back to it. want to remind you about the Christmas Comes Early sweepstakes presented by Armentar Jewelers. Simply enter the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, and you it would make you eligible for a $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy to get eligible. It's the Christmas Come Early Sweepstakes, powered by Armentar Jewelers and the Game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. I did not follow it here and there. 
because Josh Allen is on my fantasy team. And while I think all this running the ball stuff that they're doing is good for the Bills long term, it's not always good for my fantasy team. So I don't like when I saw, um, you know, third and goal at the one and they give it to a running back and he gets a one-yard touchdown run. That doesn't help me very much. But uh, anyway. Uh, the the Bills won a nice solid victory um, to kind of kick off this weekend in the NFL. And we talked about it yesterday. They had a lot of very interesting situation, like even some of the matchups that aren't very good, like Browns Texans. There's you know all kind of other intrigue and storylines there. You know the Packers and the Bears, the impact that that game could potentially have in the future of the of the league and you know when you have a hall of fame quarterback like that we don't know i mean he might be there nothing may change but if they lose that game it could trigger some interesting developments there um not just necessarily what's going to happen with aaron Rodgers, but what are they going to do with jordan love and what that could mean for jordan love in the future or not mean so a lot of interesting games and a couple a handful of really good matchups and then another handful of, you know, like the Cheaters and the Dolphins and the Bengals and the Chiefs. And, 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 but then there are some, you know, other interesting games to see how our team's going to continue to kind of end their season. I mean, the Saints are in that situation. If they lose again, I, I, I just don't even see how. Even if they went out, I think it would be difficult uh, to get it. But if they win this game, I don't know how they're going to win any tiebreakers. They're going to start winning some division games. I mean, they got to win some of these division games. So uh, they really got to win all of them that are that's left to even have a shot, I would think, for, to win a tiebreaker against another one of these division teams. So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, the Packers are another one. Like, they lose. I mean, they, I, you know, they're probably already done, but they're really done then. So anyway, some interesting uh, games in the NFL. Any of those, any thoughts you have on that, certainly feel free. Uh, to call 706-0111. It is also state semifinal night. High school football around the area. We've done some interviews this week. We've analyzed the games. Any thoughts that you have on any of the seven teams, six games involving the seven teams left in the Cadiana area again tonight here locally, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, you don't have to go very far to see a great state semifinal game. At Turlings Catholic tonight, Lafayette Christian is playing at Turlings Catholic. Edie White is playing at St. Thomas More. Brother Martin is played is playing tonight at Karen Crow, uh, and Vermillion Catholic just a little bit ways down south. Um, it's real easy to find Vermillion Catholic. Get on Johnson Street and keep going till you run into it. I mean, really, it's that simple. Um, uh, Vermillion Catholic is hosting St. Martin's Episcopal tonight, so. Those are the games in the Cadiana area. And then you've got uh, Westgate, uh, who won the 4A state championship last year, going to Destrahan. That's going to be quite a chore. But, um, you know, but, but Westgate has is, is really had a nice season this year following up. You know, they got off to a slow start, had a lot of new players, had a new quarterback, uh, you know, a lot, of answer, a lot of questions to answer, and they've answered them. And, I happen to be the I happen to be covering the St. Thomas More game when they really looked good in the second half and kind of grew up of a team and they haven't really looked back since. So they've done great. They're playing tonight there. And then Notre Dame is playing 
kind of a rematch potential redemption game against St. Charles uh, Catholic, the Comets in um, in Laplace tonight. And those two teams met in the semifinals the last two seasons. St. Charles won two really close games both years. And so, as I joke from the Andy Griffith show, uh, the Pios will try to get a little revenge tonight. We'll see how, how all that plays out. And again, we'll, we'll be discussing that next week. There could, we could potentially, next Friday, a week from today, we could potentially have three back-to-back-to-back games where there are Acadiana area teams in um, all playing. Uh, You know, and potentially you could have, potentially, St. Thomas Moore playing a city state championship game against either LCA or Turlings whichever team wins that matchup tonight at Turlings, could be playing against STM at noon on Friday, a week from today, um, for the state championship. Wow. I mean, that would be one of the biggest games in the history of our area, of our parish for high school football. It's not We've had some a couple over the years, but it's not too often you have two teams from the same parish playing for the state championship and or, and or the, the same area playing for the state championship. Doesn't happen. Uh, very often, I remember Iota playing Port Barry one year for the state championship. When was that? About oh one, oh two, right in there somewhere. Um, uh, you don't, you don't get it too often. We've had some semifinal matchups. Am I forgetting one? I don't know. Maybe help me out. I don't, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head any other. We had. Uh, same district before when Acadiana won their first state championship in 06. It was against Sulphur, so there was some familiarity there. But you just don't get for the state championship because usually, you know, you got to get in the same bracket and, you know, there's all kind of things that could make that a complicated process. But anyway, it's um could be very unique, unique scenario. And as long as St. Thomas Moore wins – and they get their revenge tonight, then it's going to happen whichever way that the LCA Turlings games goes. So, again, uh, all of the, you know, a lot of that certainly to discuss. You've got LSU in the SEC championship game against Georgia. We talked about that matchup quite a bit on Wednesday with Koki and then a little bit yesterday having to do with the injury situation, potentially the Jaden Daniels and how, how that's going to play out. I, if I'm an LSU fan, you're kind of bracing for the worst and hoping for the best. It, 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 it kind of feels like that kind of situation. LSU's been an underdog before and, and surprised. You know, I, I don't know that a lot of people thought going in they would beat Tennessee on them years ago, and they, and they played great and they won. But, man, I don't think those Tennessee teams are as good as this Georgia team. Uh, you know, Georgia's not as good as they were last year is the popular opinion, and I, I tend to agree with that. But, that you know, they're still – they're in a not really nice run here for you know they're you want to talk about following up on on a they ain't won a, a national championship since I was a freshman in high school and they following it up on that pretty good this year pretty pr- pretty impressive so uh, again lot lots of football and, and you know basketball going on we've got high school basketball tournaments going on and we were talking McNeese basketball Cajuns will go to UNO tomorrow. Off at a six and one start, the Cajun women are are um, they've now they had lost four in a row. They've now won three in a row and playing another team that 
you know, they are supposed to hammer in uh, in Louisiana Christian, which is the old Louisiana College, uh, same school, same program. They just changed the name kind of like um, Houston Baptist went from Houston Baptist to Houston Christian. So it is um, – they, they're going to be playing – Coach Gary Broadhead's team, women's team is going to be playing tomorrow at 2 o'clock at the Cajun Dome, and that should be their four straight wins. So – Unless something really crazy happens, they'll follow up a four-game losing streak with a four-game winning streak and then see if they can continue to get some confidence on offense. Again, it's hard to know what that means. Like, you know, they crushed LSU Shreveport in their education game on Tuesday morning, and yet it's nice to see the ball go in the basket, but what does that mean? I, You know, one, one of the things that, I've said over the years that I struggle with, and I'm not a coach or was never a high school or a college athlete, and yet I just, every time a coach tells me how good their team shoots or hits or whatever the issue is in practice, I'm always skeptical. I just, I know practice is important. You got to have it. I get all that. But how you shoot in practice to me, I just don't know what that means. How, how you hit in a in a in a fall season in baseball and softball, I, I just my experience is that doesn't really mean anything. I mean, it, it, I I think coaches put too much stock in so and so hit this in the fall, or so and so is shooting the ball lights out in practice. I just I don't know what any of that means. And my experience is it doesn't mean a whole lot. But uh, we'll see how that plays out because they, uh, the Cajuns, Coach Gary keeps saying they shoot well in practice, hadn't shown up much in the game. Well, it's going to have to start showing up in the game pretty soon, you know, once they get to conference play enough time for them to achieve what I think is pretty good potential for this season for the Cajun women. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, finish out. A little bit of an unusual, but that's okay. It's Friday uh, edition of Footnotes. We'll be back. Welcome back to Footnotes on the Game. want to remind you, if you're a fancy technological person, which most of you are way more than me, and you use your Alexa or Google Home speaker around the house, which allows you to control your lights or your thermostats in a very easy and convenient fashion, why not add the game to that list of convenience? Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. Do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles with you at your home and office and everywhere else you go. All right. So um, I know we're mostly talking in recent weeks, uh, football, obviously, for a long time, and a little baseball because of the uh, potential off-season movement that's going on. And, again, that's going to heat up on Sunday when the winter meetings start. Could be lots of things going on. Um, But I am paying a little attention. Not a lot. When we get after the new year, I'll play a lot more attention to the NBA. But I have noticed, and I don't even know if this is real. Is this real? It almost seems fake. Is this real? The Lakers have won six out of eight. And their only losses in that stretch were a one-point loss to the 
Pacers, who are currently number four in the East and the and the, and a, and a loss at the Suns, who are number one in the West. So those are good losses. Started out two and ten, and they won six of eight. And Anthony Davis is just went through a stretch where he was the leading scorer eight out of nine games. I don't know if that means anything, but just I'm like, wow. Obviously, the Pelicans continued to do tremendous. Um, they've won seven out of nine. They're thirteen and eight, and uh, coming off a big win against the Spurs and uh, play again. No, um, uh, yeah, well, no, they play the the the, the Spurs tonight. So it is um, not obviously the Pelicans are rolling right along. But, uh, man, the Lakers, that was a little bit of a shock. All right, that's it for the first hour. Another hour to follow on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111 on this Friday. Again, a little bit of of unusual Friday. Started out with two interviews, but this hour is going to be a little more traditional. Again, open Phone lines on the game hotline, 706-0111. In this segment and the third segment, we'll be interviewing General Broussard, even though there's not a Cajun game. We'll look forward to some things, and, you know, I'll ask him a few other questions as well. But we will have Gerald on in the next segment. Um, Yesterday, you know, I'm trying to – it, it, it's been such a turbulent Saints season. And the emotions were so high for me for so long that I, I just try to not dwell on it too much just to try to get through the day kind of thing. Um, and then yesterday you see the headline, Saints have 15 players on the injury report. It's like, oh. It's just... Now, look, that doesn't mean all 15 of those guys aren't going to play. I understand that. But it's like we, you know, we just yesterday had a conversation with with Luke and we're like trying to suggest that maybe they could be the healthiest they've been since, you know, week two or something. And, and of course, you, you see a headline, Saints have 15 players on the injury reports. On the bright side of that, um, you know, linebacker came back, uh, Pete Werner, and does that mean he's going to play? I don't know. And, and again, Caden Ellis has done tremendous. And that, that goes into that depth that everybody keeps telling me how bad this roster still is, and I still don't believe it. Like, I don't believe it. That was gonna. That was one of the weakest positions. Two of the positions that were supposed to be the biggest question marks come in to this season were tied in, which I, I, I was never as negative on the tight ends as most of y'all were, and linebacker. 
And right now, the depth has really shown up more than anybody any of us thought in those two positions. And then you got a then, but then you got the safety position, which has been a disaster show. You 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 you, you sign two veteran free agents, and they turn out to be disaster shows. <sighs> Unbelievable. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Who uh, who told you the Lakers won six of eight? Who told you that? I don't know. I I I I looked it up and I I you said, "Is this true?" Yesterday, Kevin. Yeah, but I looked it up. I'm like, "Is this really true?" Oh, oh, so you thought I was lying to you? Well, oh, I, okay. I, I so, thought it was. So I thought you thought I was lying. Yeah, I uh, thought you were okay. teasing me. Well, I feel. I, I, I said he must have thought I was lying to him when I told him that. But I know it's, right now the way it sounds, it sounds like that's a that's a dream come true type of thing. So I know it's kind of hit you hard. Yeah, you, you think that's like real? Lot. Hey, you think you know, that's real? Huh? I don't think it's real. You think it's real? No, it is real. Would it be sustained? That's what I want to know. Well, that's what I mean. You know, I mean, if it... and, and and you know, like, you know. We, we joked at the beginning of the season and stuff, Paul and I, but a guy, you know, I told Paul I had him 5-77 and 77 and stuff like that. You know, we joked around. It's not bad we looked. But Paul had the nerve, Kevin Foot. Do you hear me? He had the nerve. Like, his niggas came out the gate smoking. Had a couple of games. You know, they won a few games here and they're looking pretty good. But, you know, they beat a couple of bad teams, too. Just like all teams do. We beat bad teams. Bad teams beat good teams. I go. He came out the gate smoking, talking all kind of crap. So I guess he figured I didn't have the things that really make you a man to say that, well, I guess what? My Lakers can win more games than the Knicks. As bad as we look right now, I bet we can win more games than the Knicks. And you know what he did with that, Kevin Foote? He took that, that bait and ran with it like a big catfish that wants to eat off the bottom. That's all he did was ran with it like a fish. I hooked him. A hook, line, and sink. I seen him coming. So he came for the bet, and I got him. So we got a lot of food bet. Cause a lot of guys already owe me a bunch of food from bets. Um, I'm only one bet or two away from opening a restaurant. That's how much food they owe me. But I ain't got paid yet. If I was waiting to eat, I'd be starving by now. So, you know, I'll be a, a male nutrition right now if I was waiting on the best to get paid for me to eat. Paul, I know you're listening. Cheapskate, you don't pay up. But anyway, Kevin, he wants the bet. So I told him, we can make that bet. I got nerve, and I got the guts enough to say my Lakers can still win more games than the Knicks, even though we're in a better conference. we kind of bad right now. And both conferences are good. Both, both conferences yeah, are the East teams, has gotten so better. Kinda, Look, the Knicks huh? are 10 and the – the East has gotten better. The Knicks are 10 and 12, yeah. and the Lakers are 8 and 12, so we'll see. That's right. 10 and 12, 8 and 12. And guess what I told him, Kevin? We still going to win more games, and we're creeping up right behind them. We're right on this tail. I said we're going to hunt you down all year. Just like Buford T. Justice, baby. We're going to be on your tail in hot pursuit all year. So you better be looking back because once LeBron and Anthony get it together, we coming. Now, we might make a deal somewhere where we can get another player or whatever, get another shooter or something like that. But I think the team will be good enough to make the playoffs, good enough to get somewhere. No, I don't think so. But they're definitely good enough to make the playoffs if LeBron just, and Anthony just pay that, this pay, thing, Kevin. But, so we should be all right. But Paul and the Knicks, we got him, Kevin. We coming. We creeping up on him. And guess what? He's nervous right now. He thought right now the Knicks would have been like twelve and eight, something like that, thirteen and seven. No, it ain't happening. We right behind him. As bad as we look, we right behind him, Kevin. We coming. Our Lakers gonna make the playoffs. 
Got Trust it. me on that. I'm going to hang up and listen. All right. Take care. My, my advice is to pay that physical therapist extra money. To keep AD upright, you know that that that's the that's the important thing. That cat, that cat has to stay upright. He has to play if any of that's gonna happen. But yeah, that was like, man, is that real? I don't know if it's real, but it's interesting anyway. Um, yeah, as I was saying, that the Saints had 15 players on the injury report and. Some of them are just rest, like Ramcheck was just rest. And some of it, I'm sure, are guys who are just kind of resting things. But um, I don't know. It's just, can we ever just have, like, Saints have three players on the injury report. Can that ever happen? Is that even possible? Ever? Why it's got to be 15 all the time? It's just so depressing. Unreal. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Uh, good morning. Good morning, sir. Hey, long time, long talk. Kevin. How yes, are you doing? yes, sir. Good hearing from you. You too. You know, man, it's been a rough one. You know, with the Saints. Um, I mean, um, you know, full disclosure. After the <laughs> the Panthers game, I cried for about ten or fifteen minutes. <laughs> I was so disappointed. Yeah, that was awful. I mean, I, I had such high expectations, and that game was so disastrous, and the Bucks game, and the injuries, and I saw Thomas getting limping off, and I just, you know. But uh, long story short, it's you know it's been rough, and uh, but there's still kind of like a light at the end of the tunnel as far as you can string off some victories and. If they win, if they win Monday, though, though it'll be some renewed hope. Yes, sir. It's just amazing how like uh, I didn't call in. I listened whenever uh, Dennis Allen was named the head coach for like a week or two. He said, "What what what should we call him?" And I didn't hear every minute, but I I was surprised no one said uh, Dennis the Menace, uh, or maybe someone did. But that kind of fell in the same category as Casper, right? Like cartoon. 50, right, 50, right, correct, correct. And, yes. and that, he was the mascot for Dairy Green. That's how I remember him mostly. But anyway, uh, and I thought it kind of worked as a double. If he uh, played good defense, he was a menace to the opposing offense. But if he made bonehead game man- game management decisions, right. he's a menace to us. Uh, yeah, right? exactly. But and um, this is a revisionist history. And this is kind of like your uh, program where I'm not telling you what I think is going to happen. I'm telling you what I wish or would love to happen. But, right. And it's not going to. It's not going to happen. It's too far gone. But I would love for Jameis Winston, like, look, you're under contract. Uh, whatever. Come back. Try to come back healthy next year. Michael Thomas, you're under contract. We're not going to get much for you. Again, it's too far gone. It's la la land. But hey, come back healthy. Let's try again. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah, as opposed to what's the alternative? You want to draft the guy? You want to get a free agent? You want Andy Dalton? You know, um, but having said all that, uh, Mickey Loomis said this in a preseason game doing the commentary. He, he said, like, the, the way we do things, if you, if, you, uh, if you strike out, you really strike out, right? You know, like, you really miss. But there's things, there's positives in uh, with Sean Payton's Supposed coming back, we're going to get some sort of draft compensation. 
And uh, I'll, I'll leave you with this. It just reminds me with the holiday season coming up with the uh, draft picks that we gave to Philly. And it looks bad because it's going to be a high draft pick. But long story short, one Christmas I got my uh, present early, like a, a week or two early. And on Christmas morning, I boo-boo lived because I didn't have anything else, you know? Yeah. And I was just sad. I was just sad and boo-boo living because I got what I got early and I didn't have, you know, the appreciation for that that morning. But that's basically what the draft pick is. He's on the, he's on the roster, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. I got I got no issues with all that draft pick stuff. I'm, I'm good with that. Anyway, good hearing Thanks, from man. you. Take care. You too, man. All you, right. You too. It is. Um, no, it is. Again, I, I don't. Had a friend text me, and he and he's like, you know, look at the schedules, and I'm like, I don't even want to go down that road. Win Monday, and I'll start going down that road. We'll have two weeks to go down that road. But first, you got to win Monday. And I've always said one of the most fun games to watch because you're passionate on one hand, but it's not your team. And so you can only get so upset about it is when, like, let's say the Saints win Monday, which – by the way, is going to take a minor miracle because their quarterback, their starting quarterback is Andy Dalton. Like, that cat never wins a primetime game. Like, ever. Like, ever wins a primetime game. Andy Dalton. But So it's going to take a minor miracle. But let's say it happens. No, ever. Like, that guy never wins a primetime game. But anyway, let's say it happens. Um, then the next week, the Saints will have a bye week, and then you can, as a Saints fan, pull against the Arnolds and the Falcons and the other. That'll be that'd be fun, you know that that that, that that's those are fun games where you, you're pulling for some team because they're going to help your team, but it's not your team, so you can just have fun and don't have all that angst. Not quite as much angst, anyway. All right, one more, then we got to get to a timeout. Hello. Hey, Kevin. Howdy. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year when we complained about the uh, schedule, about the, the bye, mm-hmm. how it was so late in the season, you yes. know, it's still – but do you think, like, this could actually, like, work in favor for us if we actually, you know – Well, I, I mean, I think – I still think it would have been better in, like, week seven or eight would have helped this team tremendously. But if they – again, it all is about if they win Monday – if they win Monday, then I think it could set them up for some success on the other side. Yes, sir. The only thing that worries me is uh, was the Thursday night game we played, and we had that uh, little break. Was it the Cardinals, and then we played the Ravens? Yeah, or, but the Ravens we, are just. We played the Ravens after the Cardinals, right? I don't know. I, my mind is too – I'd have to look it up. Right, anyways, the, the game after that, it was like a little mini buy, you know. And we yeah. came out like completely flat. Yes, but I, 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 you know, we're still extremely short-handed for that game, and they don't match up with uh, running sure. quarterbacks at all. So, you know, again, anyway, I, so like, I, go ahead. Yeah, I was just bringing up that, like, you know, the way the division's shaping out, that this late buy might actually be a good thing. Got to win Monday. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah. can't worry about any of that stuff until we win Monday. I know. 
<laughs> Gotta win Monday. I just want to win two games in a row, dude. I, I, I just, I, mean, I just want to win that? Monday. I, I just want to win well, Monday. I want to win, I wanna I wanna win Monday. Yeah. But Gotta I, win I Monday like to win two games in a row. All things I mean, start. Like, all of that is true. But we gotta, you gotta win Monday. Yeah. All right, Kevin. That's all right. Thank you. By the way, that next game, that next week, if they win Monday, yucks, play the cheaters. So I got to pull for the cheaters, I guess. If the Saints win, if if the oh, and the Arnolds play the Seahawks, so you know I could pull for that. We'll take a timeout. We'll be back. Gerald Broussard on the other side. Stay tuned. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No, seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the Forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints' streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10-6, and six, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13-12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness, ineptness, or cheating, or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote. And footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Want to remind you to listen to your favorite Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel, you can listen live at lachristmaschannel.com or download the free mobile app on your Apple and Android devices and listen on your Amazon Alexa. So listen, it's a holiday cheer 24-7 with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. All right. We have with us Gerald Broussard. Gerald, have you ever put on a Santa Claus suit and played Santa Claus? Oh, yeah. Several times. You're probably good at that, I would think. I uh, Look, I enjoy being in costume because you know me well enough to know, uh, Kev, I, uh, I've got a, I, a little bit of a silly streak to me. Uh-huh. And, and when I can get away with it because people don't know who I am, then I really enjoy that. But <laughs> actually, when I was, uh, I don't I think I was coaching at the time. My mom was uh, working for the bank, uh, Guarney Bank or Mid-South, whatever it was at the time. And I would take a day and go over there and, give out gifts around the around the bank in Santa Claus. I did it for a few years. I had a good time doing it. I bet. All right. So it's at the high school level, it's state semifinal um, night tonight. Huge games. We've got seven teams left in the Cadiana area playing six games. I, I, I forget, was that famous freezing cold state semifinal, did you play in that game or was that the year after you left? No, I planned this December 15th was a, was a, the championship week. It was a week before that. When we played St. Augie, talking about yes. it at Cajun Field. Right. Yeah, that was, that was my last game at Lafayette High, yeah. And it was cold that night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was cold. It was really cold, <laughs> and it was not. It was cold and raining and not a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, it was, it was only, I think it was like 10 nothing at half or something like that. It might have been 14 nothing and. And we knew we were going to struggle to, to score in the second half. And uh, 
it was just, it was a, it was a long night, uh, not a very fun end to a really fun year. Um, but I mean, I'm sure you know. Ha- obviously, you don't want to be freezing to death, but and I don't th- I I don't know that it's going to be anywhere near that th- that cold tonight, but. I can imagine the pressure of a state semifinal game, it, you know, especially when you've got like LCA and Turlings in a rematch tonight. Yeah, no, that's – and look, I, I can equate that back to, to playing in, the, in the, the run we made at McNeese. You know, we had Villanova come in. It wasn't a rematch, but then to beat Villanova when playing the national championship against Western Kentucky and having to play those guys again and, and – you know, the, the, with, with that game there, those teams and, – and, Kevin, you can almost throw a rock from one school to the other. You right. know, and so just the proximity and uh, having played and, and just knowing each other so well and knowing that, that, that it's a finality of the semifinal that's way different than a finality of the final. Um, you know, it's just that the, you know in the finals it's over. I mean, you're not playing again. With this one here, you're playing for that one more shot. And, Kevin, you brought it up. And, and you know, heck, I don't know how many, 40 years ago, I guess that was, that, that happened in that, that, it was 1978 when we got beat. And, and there's probably – there's not a month that goes by that I don't hear about that game, that semifinal game. And uh, I, if I wanted to, I could never forget it. <laughs> Nobody left me. They won't let me. My famous, my favorite story that I've told on the air. Just looking at pictures years later that that when when I was still at the um, at the advertiser, we had old pictures from there, and there was some pictures where they showed the price of hot chocolate. I don't know, it was like fifty cents or something, you know, in the first quarter. By the fourth quarter, it was like two dollars and fifty cents. They were price yeah. gouging the hot chocolate. They kept scratching it out. <laughs> I can't, I've got a picture in in, uh, in one of the. I don't know my scrapbooks or, or something, the yearbook. I don't know what it is, but we had a, a, a cheerleader. Jamie Ransom was her name. I still remember Jamie, real pretty little girl, and her 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 makeup was all running. She was crying, and she was just cold and wet, and looked like old wet dog. You know, just standing out there, this <laughs> poor thing was just miserable. And I'm thinking that you know, as as miserable as you are, we it was so much. We wanted to be tough. You know, wanted to be tough and, and not wear a lot of undergarments and go out there. Yeah. And, Kev, the first time you sat down, and, you know, Cajun Field was grass then. Yes. And so it was raining. And let me tell you, and then down down below kind of hit. It woke you up now. I'm just telling you. Well, anyway, uh, we don't have a game to, to analyze, to preview just yet with the Cajuns, but you were right. I mean, a te- you know, we found out one thing. Texas State still – I mean, the Cajuns still own Texas State. Yeah, and, you know, the shame of it is I know what was said after and I know what was tweeted after from their guys and stuff. You know, what word was is that the, he was notified before the week, he being Coach Spath, before the game during the week that he was not going to be retained. And what we understood is that, that they notified the players before the game. Now, I'm not saying right before the game. I'm saying before the game that – they played the cages. They knew there was going to be a coaching change. And, and so I thought that they, you know, they, they made a couple plays. They being Texas State's offense made a couple plays to give them a chance to get the 13 points. But, and that was just, they had three explosives. If you take those three away, they just couldn't move the football. And, and the Cajuns defense play well. Eric Guerra should have scored more points than Texas State by itself. And, um, uh, you know, he just he had a nice game, which was good to see, and he's getting rewarded for his efforts. 
How worried, though, like why do you think Perry ran for over 200 yards and that was a little troubling just on its own, and what about that moving forward? No, I think what they did is, uh, and, and, and Perry did a good job. He he uses a little skip technique, and I told you about him going into the game, reminded me physically of Damon Den- Denenberg. Right. He just was kind of built low to the ground, a little thick, had good grip balance and stuff like that. Now, he ain't Herschel Walker. Let's don't get carried away. But, uh, you know, the cages will play in to prevent anything big. Now, they did give up a couple of big plays, and just the, the, the numbers in the box were there. And, and knowing that you can give that up, but this, it's all about scoring, and, and that they weren't, they didn't want to give up the big play and keep them in the game and, and allow Texas State to score. If I don't care if they run for nine hundred, if if you can hold a team to thirteen points, you're probably going to win. Uh, scheme wise, I think that there were some things that if they chose to, wanted to focus on to try and get him stopped, they could have done it, but they just. You know, try and force the, the thing, keep it underneath, let them run the football sooner or later. They're not going to be able to execute and convert, and, and they did. And I thought, you know, the the, the plan, you you can overanalyze and just say, well, we gave up 200 yards rushing. Yeah, you held the team to 13 points. You gave up the three big plays. If you get rid of those, then they don't even score on those. So I just, you know, I know I've seen this team stop the run, and I know that, that, that Coach Morgan knows how to stop the run. And his team has been able to stop the run. And I, it wasn't that Texas State did anything special. They, you know, they ran a little zone scheme, ran a little power scheme, gap scheme type of deal, and just, you know, they, he would bounce it and increase it, and then bounce it and increase it. But they kept him in for the most part. Just anything under a big, he had the one explosive, and so that that part doesn't bother me. All right, so are you a guy who likes to guess at bowls? I mean, I think the popular opinion is the Independence Bowl. I mean. Yes, if you had to put a lot of money on it, that's what it would be. But what are your thoughts on all that? I think, yeah, and and, and look, we were texting back and forth. We being Jay and Cody and I last night, just and and nobody knows anything. And I'll just tell you that the the guy who we we the guy for a guy from the Independence Bowl came in our booth at halftime at the game, and he's the same guy that was at Georgia State, uh, George Southern game. I'm sorry, and he's a lawyer from Shreveport. But as he mentioned to us. He said, there are a lot of me at different games all around having these same conversations. We know that and what he told us is that he couldn't tell us anything other than Army is going to try and get a waiver for the game. Uh, we are one of the teams to, to go in Army's place if they're not able to be able to go. And that the other of the other opponents, it will be somebody from the American Conference, and it will be either Houston, Memphis, or SMU. And... Uh, you know, from what we've heard and from what Jay anticipates, the story will be if it's not the Cajuns in the Independence Bowl, that will be a shock. Uh, and, look, that's not going to hurt my feelings at all. I mean, I, you know, when, when I was playing for the Cajuns, Kev, that was a, an opportunity the South Conference was playing for the Independence Bowl. Actually, right. Nice got played a couple times. Yes. And so we've, we've never been. I've never been to the Independence Bowl. I think it would be kind of neat. I agree. So I, I wonder what are the chances of the Tim Buckley Bowl? Uh, good a good chance from what I'm hearing. <laughs> I don't, from what I'm hearing, that's yeah. that's that's what if if you got a bet, if you got to predict, that's what it should be. Memphis and the Cajuns, I you know, the, and and the Cajuns, uh, I remember a game. Uh, was it Tim Harris came to Cajun Field and 
when he was a linebacker at Memphis, played for the Packers for years, and, and it was just look fabulous. And in other games, the Cajuns had, had beaten them before, so that'd be that'd be a nice little old series to renew. I don't remember when the last time we played Memphis. I know we used to play them quite a bit, uh, and I really don't remember the last. It's time probably we in the eighties, I would think. In in, in the eighties, just to guess, I'd have to look it up. But um, so th- this time, is it better? If you get, in other words, to wait longer with recruiting and all of that, or is it better to have an earlier game, do you think, for the Cajuns? I think right now for, for the Cajuns, I think that the, the, the 23rd would fit well. Uh, I just think that the Cajuns need to do some things health-wise to get healthy. I think that that extra couple weeks is going to help. The other part of it is, is it allows you to finish school. I think that the Cajuns need to take care of some stuff academically, just like everybody does at this time of the year. You know, you're not trying to go through finals during bowl prep and stuff like that. You can you can take care of your school, put a big focus on your school, and, and do a good job with that. And then, you know, now moving forward, then you're able to try and go and, and uh, you know, focus on the bowl as a bowl. And so I think that'll work. Some people think bowls are just real overrated or essentially exhibitions, but don't you think that this bowl is just is just a huge opportunity to really change the narrative about this season? I do. I do. You know, you think about it going back to September, early September, late September, and then, uh, you know, early October, just the, the, the way people felt with the three-game losing streak. And then, you know, coming back and finishing the way they did, winning two, two out of three to get bowl eligible, as well as seeing some flashes there at the end of the game. Uh, Saturday, Kev, I, you know, Jean Chris looked kind of good now. And, and Zylan Perry kind of looked good. And Lance LeJean made a play out there. So seeing maybe what you can anticipate, hope for uh, in the future, I think that makes it fun. I think th- this is – you know, some we we've seen it, and, and it's amazing how soon people can get small. We've seen it in the past where uh, you know I really don't like this bowl, I don't like that, and then this year, hey, get us in a bowl, just give us a chance to play, and so I'm excited for it. Well, it'll be interesting to see, and we'll find out for sure on Sunday, of course, and then comes we Monday. Hope. Yeah. Well, we hope. <laughs> yeah, I think we will. We'll know, and I, I'd be surprised if it's not Shreveport. All righty, sir. Well, I appreciate your time as always. Uh, I guess sorry bringing up the the freezing cold night, but I just wanted to get your state semifinal perspective there. And yeah, no, it's quite all right. Yeah, friends. Yeah, well, I got you. <laughs> appreciate that, buddy. Okay, yeah, take care. Bye. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. <laughs> I was uh, that was I that, I was an eighth grader that year. So, Jared, that shows you Gerald's a little bit older than me. I was eighth grader that year. I did not see. I, I, I started paying attention to high school football my freshman year. And um, as far as Lafayette High, I, was, I did not play football. Went to Acadiana. My freshman year, Carlos Kibito had a good game. To K, the, the Rams beat the Lions 19-7 to and uh, did not beat the Lions again until the year after I left high school. And, of course, that one was like 55 nothing. so it got a little – Ravang there, but uh, the three years after that did not go so well for the Wrecking Rams. All right, we will take a timeout, come back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. 
Great news, my sports-loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match. For sports talk love, that is... Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you again, go to AcadianaDeals.com. You could get 50% off. This week only, but the offer ends tonight at midnight where you could get 50% off on Bayou Pop Gourmet Popcorn where you can get more than 40 flavors of gourmet popcorn. Mudcat Whiskers where you can uh, have a get a great gift, handcrafted beard grooming products, or Emmy's Ice Cream Bar which offers up supreme ice, ice cream for the sweet tooth. In your on your Christmas list again, you can get fifty percent off this week only. Discount code is Delta fifty. So when you go to AcadianaDeals.com, discount code Delta fifty to get a great gift, um, whether it's popcorn, uh, Mudcat whiskers, or Emmy's ice cream bar. Again, all of this by going to AcadianaDeals.com right now. Midnight tonight, the offer ends. All right, again, uh, this will be, you know, one more, one last chance. If you would like to get in on the game hotline, 706-0111, 706-0111. Lots of um, all kind of things going on, obviously. We talked a little bit about the Saints and the injury report, and I've, I don't know if joke's the word, but agonized over the fact that I, I have to look up the stat, but seriously, and but seriously, Andy Dalton's record in primetime games is deplorable. It's like, it's kind of like um, oh, brain cramp for for the um, for the the Vikings uh, quarterback. I mean, he just he can't seem to ever win a primetime game. Kirk Cousins, and um, you know, it, it's a team game. You know, I'm the one that preaches that over and over again. So I keep telling myself that over and over again, that somehow the defense can play great or the defense might actually, like, force a turnover, like, that that will count. Like, they actually did one line, and then they say, well, it doesn't count. But um, maybe they can force a couple turnovers that actually count. Maybe, like, somebody, maybe, like, they could hand the ball off to a running back and he could get yards. <sighs> I know I'm asking for a lot, but, I mean, really, hopefully some of those things can happen. But, I mean, it just – it's amazing, as miserable as this season's been on so many levels, if they can just win Monday. Like, it opens up so many possibilities. But you got to win Monday. And, of course, we'll talk more about that on Monday. First, we've got uh, – again, basketball we talked about. We've got the SEC championship game. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know how much analyzing there is to do on that game. LSU's obviously a humongous underdog. Um, you hope that Jane Daniels can be healthy, but, you know, you don't know how limited he's going to be with an ankle situation. And 
And then, you know, are they going to be able to bounce back from an embarrassing loss in College Station? Now, typically, that would give a team even more incentive to rebound from that. But again, incentive, motivation, all of that, you still got to find a way to beat a really good Georgia team that you can only imagine how confident they, they you know, the kind of confidence they're playing with. So we'll see how, how that plays out. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Kev, thanks for taking the call. Um, just wanted to talk Saints quarterback for next year. I know you, you, you're, you're very much anti-Baker, which I think we all are, but I'm curious as to what, what would your, your, your best-case scenario be? I know, like, Jimmy G could be available. Like, they've talked about David Carr. Even something as crazy as Aaron Rodgers, I know you're not a fan of him. So uh, I'll just hang up and listen. Well, that's a great question. And, you know, it's, we had a similar type conversation about two weeks ago, maybe another one last week. I mean, I don't like rookie quarterbacks. So the best veteran possible, I mean, if they're really going to continue to stop the run, which they haven't stopped the run all year, but they did against the cheaters, if they're going to be able to go back to stopping the run, then I'm, I'm you know, I, I'd be good with Jimmy G. I don't really think he's coming here, but that's not really the question that, you just asked. So I'd be good with Jimmy. I just want a veteran quarterback that's not really old, and Jimmy G fits that, that knows how to play in the NFL. You don't have to teach the game to. He doesn't have to go through a year or two of being like Zach Wilson. I don't want any of that. I want a guy who's a lot younger or quite a bit younger than Andy Dalton, who but who has experience. I mean, Jimmy G's perfect in a lot of ways. Now, would I like a way more talented quarterback than Jimmy G? Of course, but how are you going to get that? How are you going to get that? And, you know, to his point about Aaron Rodgers, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers could be somewhere else next year. He could. But do you really think he's coming to New Orleans? I, 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 don't, I don't see that happening. I, I don't really think. Again, I can't stand Aaron Rodgers, and I've d- detested him for years, and I told you all what he was like, and then, and then this past offseason, everybody started saying, you know this guy, Aaron Rodgers, is weird, duh. I've been telling you all that for a decade. But um, but, but he – I don't see any scenario where he comes to New Orleans, none. Other than if some – other than them firing Dennis Allen and – Somehow the guy that they hire is somebody who he's really close to and tied with, and they both come down here. That's the only scenario. But if they keep Dennis Allen, that, that has no chance of happening. None. Um, I mean, all kind of crazy. You know, what if Casper and Tom Brady come to the season? <laughs> I mean, people, they're, they're really, you know, this was a bizarre offseason for the quarterback position, and it could be as bizarre or more bizarre this year. Really, it could. The potential's there. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Foot. This is the guy from South Lafourche. How we doing? How are you, sir? Well, I'm looking forward to these championship games this weekend, so let me give you my hopefulness, okay, what I'm hoping for. Okay. I really, all right. Is the Pac-12 championship tonight? 
Uh, I don't even know when that is. Is it tonight? I don't know. I know. It's usually on Friday. Anyway, okay, I want USC to win that. And I'll give you my reasoning in a moment. Let's get USC to win that. Of course, we want Tulane to win the American. If LSU wins, that's great. But I don't think they will. But if LSU wins, that's great. And um, what's, what's the other big conference championship game this weekend? The SEC, the ACC? Um, the Big 12. The Big 12. Okay, the Big 12. Team, big 10 means my ultimate objective in the teams I'm pulling for is to keep Alabama and Ohio State from weaseling their way into the playoffs. Well, I understand. I, 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 I think Ohio State's got a way better chance than Alabama, but we'll see how – I, I understand, but, but but let me let me before we get too much further. I want to ask you, since kind of piggybacking off my conversation with Gerald, you, as an official, what's the coldest you've ever been officiating a high school football game? Uh, state semifinal was 2015. Neville. And remember, who were they playing? Uh. Was it in Warren North Louisiana? Was, I think it was Warren Easton. Was it North Louisiana? It, it was snowing? No, it wasn't snowing, but it was cold. It was up in Monroe. It was cold. I believe that. Really cold. Man, I hate <laughs> it the cold. cold. <laughs> yeah. We were uh, walking the field before the game, and uh, I called my wife just to let her know we had made it there safely and stuff, and I said, it's cold out here, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's miserable. But, uh, yeah, but my, my record – my record for being cold out of game still goes back to that 1977 semifinal when I was 10 years old, again at Washita in Monroe. Uh-huh. Um, when when our Tarpons were, were on their way to the state championship that year, but that was uh, like a wind chill of 12 degrees or something. I don't like I don't that. know how people terrible. play football. I mean, how, how do you even concentrate as an official when it's that cold? I, I don't well, know. Well, after. You you just get into your motions and your and your routines and you, you forget about it. It just becomes another game at that point, you know. Oof, man. After you start moving around, you're fine. All right. Well, look, I think a lot of people are like you uh, that are a little weary of the Buckeyes and the Tide, and so they would they would be perfectly fine with with, with your wish list. And I I, I think it's going to happen. I, I I think you're right. Um, yeah. I, I'm anxious and, and to see if TCU can seal the deal. LSU or losing is going to have a bearing on the on the playoff because if LSU wins tomorrow, they're they're still going to put Georgia in the playoff. Yeah, I think I think I think I think you are absolutely correct. Are, are you going to be doing some somewhere tomorrow? I mean tonight? Oh no, I'm I'm done for the season. I just finished picking up my uniform for the year. There, I'm done. All righty, sir. Well, I appreciate you uh, calling. Have a good weekend. Yes, sir. You too. Thanks. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show on the other side on the game. 6 p.m. Buffalo Wild Wings for the greatest of all times. Monday through Friday only. Beer deals available all day. At participating locations, taxes and fees apply. Dine-in only. Drink responsibly. Offers vary by location. Void where prohibited. I'm Chris Rader with Rader Solutions. Each week in Acadiana, 10 to 20 businesses are hacked and they lose their data. This loss is a costly strain on your business. Protect your business. Call Rader. We are a complete IT managed service provider with hands-on support and solutions. Have questions? Call us. We're here 24-7 with answers to your business security concerns. 
Sleep well knowing your business data is safe and secure. Visit us at RaiderSolutions.com. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switch to Progressive could save big. But then what? Well, radio has been called theater of the mind. So let's tell a story with sound effects. Wow, it's like I was in the story. Almost makes me forget this was supposed to be about saving big with Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Wow. That is awesome. That was well-timed. Caught me totally off guard. She didn't even get me. Got to love the little drummer boy. I love it anyway. Welcome back to Footnotes. Want to remind you one last time to go to the game clubhouse by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com where you could win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen there. You can only score these great prizes and others by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Today it's free. It's simple. So sign up today. All right. So, again, we've kind of set the stage, and our friend, the guy from South LaFouche, uh, you know, again, I think a lot of people kind of agree with him that mo- if you're not a Buckeye fan, and I've rooted for the Buckeyes many times in my life. Um, and Or you're not a fan of the Crimson Tide, which uh, I can count on one hand how many times I've pulled for them in my life. Um, it is it is pretty good. I think you got a chance of, uh, you know, you, you want those two not being there. And, and you got if you're not a fan of those teams, and you got a pretty good chance. Now, TCU... If they win, that would be very impressive. Because, look, we've seen it many times over the years where a team that kind of comes out that no one was predicting gets off to a 7-0, 8-0, 9 start, something like that. And then just when you start to think, well, maybe this team's that good, they get beat. And they almost did, but they found a way to win. And if they win again, now, again, I'm not saying they're not playing Georgia, but they're not playing a bad team either. And I, I think um, it would be extremely impressive. I also think that for through since this pro, since the very first poll came out midseason, whenever that is, I think most the my I was expecting everyone to just hope TCU would lose, and then they just kept hoping TCU would lose so they could get out of there. But I kind of feel like with the way it's worked out that it is actually possible. This is the first week where I actually kind of think it's possible that they could lose and still get in. Because, I I mean, a week, two weeks ago, if you told me that, I said, no, there's no way. Like, they can't wait for TCU to lose so they cannot put them in. But now, for the first time, I actually think it's possible, especially if they lose a close game, that they could lose and still get in. And two weeks ago, I would have said, hey, there's no way. They're just looking for an opportunity. They're just looking for a way to not put them in. But Ohio State getting routed, I think, kind of makes that pretty possible. So um, we'll see how it it, it, it plays out. Um, 
you know, I, I, I don't have any love for TCU. Certainly don't have anything against TCU. is just one of those teams that, you know, good for them. I don't, I don't have any allegiance or any hatred or any bit reason to be bitter towards them or anything. Um, you know, forever, really. I, I don't ever remember TCU football ever even being on my mind ever growing up or, or now. And so, you know, I got I, – it'd be easy to pull for them. Because I, you know, I got no, I got nothing against him, so it would be nice. All right, appreciate all the phone calls and guests. Y'all have a nice weekend.